could Yeshua care for so many different people with so many different problems? And what was the true motivation? Let us now focus on Yeshua and who he is. Yeshua is a representative of Abba, Father God, on this earth in human flesh. Yeshua is not restricted with a fallen nature as you and I are. Yeshua is not selfish. Yeshua is not self-centered. Yeshua transcends all faults and flaws that restrict all humanity. Many people who read the Tanakh, that is the Old Testament, come away with the opinion that Abba, Father God, is mean, he's wrathful, and he's harsh. What Yeshua reveals in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, the exact nature of Abba, Father God. In Yohanan, the Gospel of John 1.8, it says, No one has ever seen Abba, Father God, but the only and unique Son, Yeshua, who is the identical with Abba, Father God, and is at Abba, Father's side, and he's made him known to us. Isn't that a beautiful statement? So as we study and we focus on the life of Yeshua, he revealed his father so that we may know our heavenly father even more. He is holy. He is a consuming fire. He is a God of pure judgment. So will the times when he says no to us, it's for our betterment. And we may know, not know it instantaneously. There are some areas that the Lord has said no to me that I will not receive the full confirmation of why he did it until I am face-to-face to him in heaven. But you know what? That's okay. Because I trust my heavenly father has made the right decisions when he said to me, no. And I can rejoice when he says yes. I can rejoice in the same magnitude in my heart when he says no as the same time when he says yes. Because I know he has the best for me. But he is God. He is infinite. He, that word means unending. He is unending in his love, grace, and mercy, and compassion. Yeshua's compassion knew no boundaries. Yeshua feels compassion for the lost. Yeshua feels compassion for sinners. Yeshua feels compassion for the sick. Yeshua feels compassion for the suffering. Yeshua feels compassion for those seeking the truth. Why was Yeshua able to do this to so many different people and to so many different settings and situations? It is because Yeshua, even though he knew all their faults, you hear that? There's none of my faults are hidden before the Lord. He knows them. All right? He did not let that get in the way of his compassion and his expression of love. Because when I first met Yeshua, you know where he found me? In a state of sin and rebellion. Amen? That's where he found all of us. For we are sinners saved by his amazing grace. And if we keep that in our hearts, knowing this, not to walk in condemnation, because we've been delivered from that sin as we walk in his power and grace and his mercy, right? But we must acknowledge who we are and not say to ourselves that there's no sin in me when the spirit of the living God says, but there is. Let us be honest and truthful with him who sees all things. He did not look just at that which was apparent on the surface. Yeshua was able to look at these people and see their deepest need. Yeshua loved them at the deepest level of his being. As a result, Yeshua never was impatient or offended by their needs. 
We see that in scripture. He didn't say to them one time, hey, you know what? I just need a break. You guys are driving me nuts, right? You know? He loves us. And so let us now start in Matthew 19, 9, 18. Bless the Lord. You may be saying, well, why did you give that whole definition, that long definition before? Because now as we look at the scriptures, we're going to be focusing on what? The compassion. Let us begin. While Yeshua was talking, a synagogue ruler came in and he kneeled down in front of him. And one translation says that, that he worshipped him. Wait a second. A synagogue official coming and bowing down and worshiping in front a simple carpenter? Are you kidding me? No, that's what the scripture records. And he said, my daughter has just died. But if you will come and lay your hand on her, she will live. Right? You go to the local uh, carpenter's union and you walk in there. You find a carpenter and you say, by the way, my daughter has just died. Please now come and lay your hands on her and she will live. That's really what's going on here, folks. Although, yes, there are miracles that are taking place, this is reality. This is a reality that synagogue leader was dealing with. All right. So let us continue here. Yeshua and his Talmudim, his disciples, got up and they followed. A woman who had 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 a hemorrhage for 12 years approached him and for, from behind touched the zitzit of his robe. For she said to herself, if I can only touch his robe, I will be healed. Yeshua turned and saw her and said, courage, daughter, your trust has healed you. And she was instantaneously healed. When Yeshua arrived at the synagogue ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd up in uproar. See, traditionally at that time, they brought flute players to play dirges. So what that did was you, some people, people who are wealthy, they would actually hire mourners to come. All right? They would hire mourners to come and play dirges so that would work up the people to the point of sobbing and mourning. All right? Let's continue here. And he said, everyone out, who said Yeshua did? The girl isn't dead, she's only sleeping. And they jeered at him. What does that word jeered mean? They laughed him to scorn. Is this guy Meshuggah? This is simply the carpenter's son. We know Joseph. We know Miriam. Who does he think he is? Continuing. But after the people had been put outside, he entered and took hold of the girl's hand, and she got up. The news spread of this throughout all the region. As Yeshua went on from there, two blind men began following him and shouting, Son of David, take pity on us. Think about that. They knew who he was. They had never seen him, but they had heard of the miracles that God is wrought through him in his ministry. And when he entered that house, the blind men came up and Yeshua said to them, do you believe that I have the power to do this? Can you imagine that? He's asking them. He's inquiring them. What he's doing now is he's not trying to debunk their trust and faith, but he's saying, do you truly believe? And what is their answer? They replied, yes, sir. Then he touched their eyes. Listen to those words. He touched them. Can you imagine your, your body being touched by the creator of everything? The creator who shaped and formed you in your mother's womb? 
the creator who's made the plans for you and died on the, the, the tree for you and rose from the dead from, for you, this is who placed his hands upon me. And he said, let it happen to you according to your trust or faith. And their sight was restored. Yeshua warned them severely. See that no one knows about it. But instead, they went away and talked about him throughout that district. Wait a second. Did not Yeshua give them a command? Absolutely. But he could have been very, very angry with them and said, you know what? I'm now going to take back your sight. I'm going to teach you a lesson. But he was not vindictive. Yeshua displayed mercy and grace even though they disobeyed his command. Let's continue. As we were going, as we were going, a man controlled by a demon who was unable to speak was brought to Yeshua, the rabbi. And after the demon was expelled, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel, they said. But the Pharisees, the Pershim, said, that it is through the ruler of demons that he expels demons. See, the religious leaders of that time tried to what? Discredit him. Why? Because they were jealous. They were not walking in this power and authority that God was routing through this man who came from Galilee, a simple carpenter. Yeshua went about the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the king kingdom, healing every kind of disease and weakness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. That was his motivation. He saw the hurting. On them because they were harried, that means troubled, and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. How many times in the Tanakh, warnings came through the true prophets of God that the people of Israel had become lost. And they were like lost sheep without a shepherd. And here's a great shepherd who is here ministering to them. Then he said to his Talmudim, the harvest is rich, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers to gather his harvest. This is a command for us to pray. So when we meet in the future, as we call one another during the week, one of the first things we should be praying about is praying for the richness of the harvest. The Lord would send us as laborers into the harvest. Amen. Now, Mark gives even more detail on this. Mark chapter 5, verses 22. Then there came to him a synagogue official. His name is Yair or Arjarius in English. Now we're giving him the name. Matthew did not give us the name of the man. He was a man who fell at his feet. He bowed and he acknowledged by doing this that there was no other hope that he had but in this one who appeared to be the promised Messiah. And he pleaded desperately with him, my daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. Now he did not even uh, think about this or even focus on this, but what would happen, all right, once all the people in the synagogue found out about what he had done? He didn't go and search on any of the Pharisees. He did not seek any other rabbi of his congregation, but here he sought a rabbi who had no congregation, no permanent place, because he was a shepherd to the whole house of Israel who were lost at this time. Continuing, 
he went with them, and a large crowd followed. See, Mark added this. Matthew did not. And they were pressing all around him. And among them was a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had suffered a great deal under many physicians. She had spent her life savings, yet instead of improving, it had grown worse. Matthew did not add that. But Mark did, John Mark, who was not one of the original 12. All right? He was not one of the original 12. Continuing, she had heard about Yeshua, so she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his tzitzit of his robe. For she said, if I touch his tzitzit, I will be healed. Instantly, the hemorrhaging stopped, and she felt in her body that she had been healed from the disease. At the same time, Yeshua was aware that the power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? And his Talmudim, his disciples responded, you see the people pressing in on you and you still, you ask who touched me? They thought he was nuts. Are you kidding me? Many people have touched you. We've taught, touched you. What are you asking us this question? But he's asking a deeper question that's about to be revealed to them. But he kept looking around to see who had done it. And the woman, frightened and trembling because she knew that she had what had happened to her, came and fell down in front of him and told him the whole truth. A lot of us miss this, but think about this. For 12 years, there was blood being omitted from her body. She was ceremonially unclean. And for her to come in any type of presence of others, she was to cry out, just like a leper, that she was unclean. And the very act of her reaching out in faith and grabbing a hold of tzitzit of Yeshua's robe, she was causing him to become unclean. Think about that. But by the power of God, as soon as she grabbed a hold of that tzitzit, it says in the scripture she was instantaneously healed by the power of God. He was not aware of what was happening at that time because it would have said that in the scripture. But it does not. That's why he's asking who. And I know this, you may say, well, he's God. He's all-knowing God. Yes, he is. But for this application, he wanted the disciples to see that the power of God was going out forth from him and that that was what they were to be focused about, not about who was clean and who was unclean. Continuing, daughter, he said to you, your trust has healed you. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Yeshua demonstrated there grace, mercy, forgiveness, and healing. Because, you know, he could have simply turned around to her and said, don't touch me. You're going to make me unclean. And everyone you've touched in this crowd, because can you imagine this? How many people that she had to wade through in the crowd, crowd that she'd touched that she'd made unclean? But you know what? When she would then have to go before the rabbi, there the local rabbi, and present herself as being cleansed. And you know what? Everyone in the village knew about her problem, right? For she had seen many, many physicians. Continuing, while he was still speaking, the people from the synagogue, the official's house, came saying, your daughter has died. Why bother the rabbi any longer? Ignoring what they had, what they had said, Yeshua turned to the synagogue official and said, don't be afraid. Keep trusting. He said, don't lose your faith. Keep trusting. Verse 37, 
He let no one follow him except Kepha, which is Peter, Yaakov, which is James, and Yohanan, which is John, and Yaakov, who is James' brother. And when they came to the synagogue official's house, he found a great commotion with people weeping and wailing loudly. On entering, he said to them, why is all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's just asleep. And it's recorded here again. They jeered him and they laughed at him and scorned him. He could have simply said, you know what? I shake the dust from my sandals from you and I'm about to leave. But he did not. Why? Because he was moved by compassion. But he put them outside and took the child's father and mother and those with him. And he went to where the child was. And taking her by the hand, the touch of the creator, he said to her, Talita kume, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And at once the girl got up and began walking around. She was 12 years old and everybody was utterly amazed. And he gave them strict orders to say nothing about this to anyone. And he told them to give her something to eat. Think about that. On the birth, around the same year, this young girl being born, what happened to this other woman? She was afflicted with bleeding and hemorrhaging. It lasted for 12 years. Now we'll, we'll complete now in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And there came a man from named Yair, or Jarius, who was the president of the synagogue. See, Luke gave us a little bit more here. Following at Yeshua's feet, he pleaded with him to come to his house, for he had an, had an only daughter. That was his only child. Mark and Matthew did not give this, but Luke did, as he was being led by the Spirit of the living God. And she was about 12 years old, and she was dying. As he went with the crowds on every side, they were virtually choking him. That gives us a little bit more information, right? He had to press through, through the crowd to be on his way. And a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the zizit of his robe. Instantly, her hemorrhaging stopped. Yeshua asked, who touched me? When all denied doing it, Kepha, Peter, said, Rabbi, the crowds are hemming you and jostling you. But Yeshua said, Someone did touch me because I felt the power go out of me. Seeing, seeing she could not escape notice, the woman, quaking with fear, threw herself down before him and confessed in front of everyone why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden she says, I've been bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine the crowd? All of a sudden there was, there was people being trampled, pushed aside, and there was a big space around Yeshua this Talmudun, and this woman who was kneeling at his feet. Continuing. He said to her, my daughter, your trust has saved you. Matthew did not say that. Mark did not say that. But this was her salvation. You know why? Because this was a terminal illness. Because no one could stop the bleeding. And by God's grace and mercy, she was able to remain alive for 12 years. That in itself was a miracle. Let's continue. He says, my daughter, your trust has saved you. Go in peace. Go in shalom. You know who she hears that from? He who is called the Prince of Peace, the Shalom of Almighty God. And while Yeshua was still speaking, a man from the synagogue, president's house, 
said, your daughter has died. He said, don't bother the rabbi anymore. But on hearing this, Yeshua answered him. He turned to that guy and said these words, don't be afraid, just go and trust him and she will be made well. And when he arrived at the house, he didn't allow anyone to go in with him except Kepha, Yohanan, Yaakov, which is Peter, uh, John, and James, and the chief and the child's father and mother. And all the people were wailing and mourning for her. But he said, don't weep. She hasn't died, but she's sleeping. And for the third time, it says in the scripture, they jeered at him since they knew that she had died. It wasn't simply their opinion, but the prognosis was that she was dead. But he took her by the hand, the touch of the Messiah. And he called out, little girl, get up. And her spirit returned. Matthew did not mention that. Neither did Mark. But here in Luke, by the leading of the spirit of living God, more information is there. And she turned, she stood up at once and he directed that something be given her to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Now may we be transformed by the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of living God, to walk in the same character of compassion that our Lord and Savior, our elder brother and Messiah, who has demonstrated the way that we are to walk towards anyone we come in contact, to go by compassion. Do not prejudge people by the color of their skin or from their background or from their culture. Simply see them as God has seen us. Sinners who have not been saved by his grace. And pray that our hearts will be filled with the right words and compassion so that we can share the good news, the hope that is in us with them. Shabbat Shalom.